In last three quarters, we have started investing and spending a bit of money. This was kind of a push coming in from the board as well. That hey, I mean, we have been like very profitable and everything. But uh, I think when you're switching from your bootstrap thinking to a funded uh, thing, right? You have to, and you come from a middle class family. You have to build that muscle of how to learn how to spend. I think till five million dollars ARR, I think it's fine. You become you are like hiring people when they are kind of a, a bit of stretch. But I think when you are slightly bigger than that, I think you have to invest ahead of the curve. Uh, so that that was something I have to build a muscle and understand and learn. Now I'm in that zone now, so I'm understanding how can we sort of spend a bit more uh, so that they can help us uh, grow faster. Hi, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're doing well. Welcome to the Daily Tech Conversation, where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs, and investors. I'm Hari Arakli, and in this episode, Gaurav Sharma talks about what inspired him to turn software entrepreneur, the first in his family of Air Force officers, and how he built SaaS Labs in Noida into a company that went from bootstrapping profitably in the initial years to a VC-funded startup backed by investors, including Sequoia Capital. Gaurav was a serial entrepreneur who started coding at the age of 15. At SaaS Labs, leading a team of some 300 employees today, he aspires to make life easier for the millions of contact center and support agents around the world, most of whom work for small and medium-sized companies. SaaS Labs today has more than 6,000 business customers, mostly in the US, and an ARR in the range of $25 million. Maybe you could just give us a quick snapshot of uh, how you became an entrepreneur. I, I saw somewhere that you started coding at 15. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, so my, my, the reason I picked up programming was probably thanks to my, my dad was uh, he, he was in Air Force and then he got into education domain. He became a principal of a school. My mom was a teacher. Uh, so I got access to computer and internet very early on when they just uh, had sort of come into India, right? So um, because of the access to the internet early on, I sort of uh, picked up uh, computers in general. And then I read the story of uh, Sabir Bhatia selling uh, Hotmail to you know Microsoft for $400 million. Uh, but back then, I didn't know what $400 million mean, but I, I knew it's a, it's a huge amount. And I started sort of researching like what exactly he did that that made him so successful. Um, and I figured, okay, he built something. He built something on the internet. Uh, and how do you how how you build things on the internet? And then I figured, okay, it's coding. Um, so, so that's how it was. Uh, that's how I picked it up. Uh, I really got hooked to it because uh, the best part of coding is that when you are doing something, you can see the results of it immediately. And then someone sitting miles and miles away from a, from you, not knowing you starts using it. I think that was the, the biggest take for me. Uh, so that's how I got started and started building a lot of, uh, stuff, uh, you know, just working till morning, 4am, just building, 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 I'll build a lot of products. Do, do you recall which was the first commercial product that you ship? Sure. Any, anything uh, that you made money from the very first one? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think two things. One, I picked up uh, blogging as well. Uh-huh. So I, I started making money from Google AdSense. Uh, so till the time I didn't make sort of any money. I mean, my parents were like kind of skeptical, like what this guy is doing. 
uh like awake all night and everything but the day i got my first check from uh, adsense google adsense which was i think about 80000 rupees uh and in the name of my mom because i was like again 15 16 i didn't have a bank account and it was in my mom's name um i think that was a validation so i think that's one second is um, i created this uh uh admission seat suggester which is like i i mean uh, we we have this ai triple e and iit je main exams right so people get ranks <clears throat> so a lot of students sit for uh, the iit exam the ai triple e exam uh, only 10000 folks get through but what about the other million folks they have to get into different counselings and uh, admission sort of processes and they don't know like where can they get admission now because now that they didn't score well but they have to get admission somewhere so i created this something like a i call it seat suggest where you put your rank put your state and you'll get like 20 options uh based on priority of yours like you want computer science so there'll be like a, a list of 20 uh colleges and in those list i had this contextual ads uh, inserted uh so it became a seat that it became really popular uh you know so parents were sending me thank you notes for that um and that's when i started making my sort of first legit uh money right so so that was a, a good commercial success for a 16 17 year old uh yeah and and the adsense money uh, what were you blogging about um, that helped you make this money that people were interested in yeah so i got into i got into a bit of uh, you can say ethical hacking i was like uh, hey how can you keep your accounts safe because that time orkut was picking up uh like pre facebook so orkut was obviously the, for people who don't know about orkut it was google's uh, social media rights uh, network so a lot of accounts were getting hacked because of these a lot of tricks in the market uh you know people wanted to increase their scraps or whatever whatever and because of that their accounts were getting hacked so i started writing posts on like how your account is getting hacked um and 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 that sort of brought me a lot of a lot of traffic um uh, so so i picked up that i started writing about code i started writing about uh, softwares i started writing about this hacking tricks and then i started writing about coding in general like javascript and all those things So it became a pretty pretty uh, decent uh, tech blog was covered by some of the magazines that I'm like PC magazine and some of those magazines right so 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 yeah I think and because of that blogging experience I I give credit to that experience that I I picked up SEO really well and that helped me in my future uh, companies and and was this seat suggest was it was it like a um, like a personal effort was it a did you set it up as a proper company and all of that so so yeah i mean when the money started coming in i was obviously the main sales person the head of sales <laughs> head of engineering and head of support i guess uh, but then i started hiring uh, like interns uh-huh. uh, and i hired about uh, at the peak of it i hired about 23 interns that time uh, from from call i was a school kid but i hired people in colleges uh, to help me with uh, customer support uh, selling and all the stuff so so I, yeah it was like uh, pretty interesting and and through all of this uh, you also went on to get your own engineering degree i'm i'm wondering what was the motivation for that because you could have just gone on to be an entrepreneur from that point itself and continue to do computer science or coding and so on yeah i, I think it's uh, uh you know i mean it's just is the typical middle class playbook uh-huh. uh that you study really hard 
uh, I was decent with studies. So I got into an IIT Warangal. Um, I was great at, <laughs> it's funny, I was great at chemistry. So I thought like I can be a great chemical engineer. So I picked up chemical engineering. Mm. Uh, but after my third sem, I was like pretty sure that I'm not going to be a great chemical engineer. But I was, thankfully, I had the skill of uh, programming. So I, I carried that forward. Uh, but yeah, I think it was just a kind of a playbook, uh, obviously, to, to for my parents and as well. Uh, to have at least some degree um, so that uh, it's like a safety net obviously for you okay tell us more about uh, saas labs how did that happen by then you had already built a couple of other companies and sold them and yeah, what, yeah. does that include the seed suggest or even after that you built more companies oh yeah i mean seed suggest and all those were like a very sort of experimental tiny stuff i think yeah. after that uh, i I, com- I completed my btech in in college itself, I started another company which was into what stock trading, uh, uh, you know, so the students can learn how to stock, trade stocks on the real market without uh, real money. Uh, so that became kind of pretty viral. Uh, because of that, I got a job in uh, investment bank uh, because I, my scores are not that great in the college, but thankfully because of this project of mine, um, I was able to get an investment banking job from campus itself. Uh, but I left that job in three months. Which bank was this? It was UBS. Uh, it's a Swiss bank. Right. In in, in India or in, in... In India. In India. Okay. Yeah, oh. yeah. I had this option to move to New York, but I was like, no, I can't. I can't do this thing. Uh, because I was working 16 hours in the office. Like, investment banking is a slog in a way. Uh, and then I used to come back to the to my place and then used to sort of go for next six hours. So I was not even sleeping. I was building things, right? And one, one day, and I, I remember the date really well, 14th August. I got this Australian customer who paid like $500 for that stuff I was building on the side. And on 15th of us, it was a holiday. I was like super pumped. And I just uh, emailed my manager that, hey, this is my resignation. I'm moving to Bangalore. Uh, we'll, we'll do my stuff. Uh, so, so yeah, so I moved to Bangalore. Uh, slogged, struggled for almost one and a half years trying different things. Uh, and then finally stumbled upon a, a good product, which was called Pinpuff. Uh, it was like a analytics tool for Pinterest, which was just picking up in India, but it was like becoming really big in US. Uh, that got covered by Mashable and TechCrunch and all those players. So it just went viral, right? It just went viral. 100,000 users in first month, 4,000 businesses lined up to use the paid version. I didn't have any, any ideas about what the paid version be like, but I just had a form that, Hey, if you want a paid version, it is a form, but there was like 4,000 people lined up. Uh, and that got, uh, acquired, uh, pretty quickly within three months, it was acquired at 3am in the night. I, I woke up my parents that, Hey, next month I'm going to us because the thing I was building got acquired. So those people are asking me to move to us. Which company was this that acquired Pinpuff? So it was, it, it, it was, it, it's called science Inc. It's like, um, it's like a venture studio where they build and invest in uh, startups. So some of the success stories from science would be like uh, Dollar Shave Club, which, which which went really well and became really big. Dog VK. And then the third company, that is the company I started, also become pretty good success there. Um, so yeah, so I moved to LA, started another company called Hello Society uh, with uh, two of my other sort of co-founders. Grew that to about 15 million and then that got acquired by New York Times. And then 2015, I moved back, took a break for one year. And then 2016, I started SAS Labs. 
Have you ever spoken about how much money you made from Pinpuff and Hello Society? I made decent money that I when I moved back to India, I thought that hey, what does sort of what do rich rich people do? So I started golf. Uh, so one year I spent in thinking that hey I I can be a, a professional golf player but within 3 4 months I figured that it's not that easy uh, so I moved back to my my first love which is programming and and 2016 launched SaaS Labs you seem to have uh, intuitively figured out uh, things like uh, you know viral marketing and sales as you went along um, we can talk about that a little bit down the line uh, you know in terms of yeah. takeaways from you you know building all these businesses uh, but i want to uh, you know learn a little bit more about what saas labs itself is about uh, today uh, you know what's it all about sure sure so uh, <clears throat> so at at saas labs uh, we are building a platform for sales support agents for smaller companies smbs and mid market so that we can help the agents perform faster and also let automate every single manual work they're doing uh while working uh what i mean by that is as a sales agent as a support agent you talk to your customers but then after the call you have to go to your sales force put the notes down a lot of manual work around so we automate every single manual work that's happening around your sales process so what's as a result your sales people your support people are actually taking more calls and we are saving them 250 hours a year Uh, so it's a platform of multiple products. So Just Call is our main product, which is a modern contact center software that integrates with all your business tools uh, and allows you to automate every single work- workflow that you can think of uh, on your day-to-day work. Give us a couple of examples of the companies, and you know, which gives us a sense of how they use it, why it helps them. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, <clears throat> for example, uh, a insurance company. uh running this tv ads uh in us uh and they start getting a lot of calls uh and you only have 5 10 agents with you uh so there's a there's a volume of calls coming in and you have only 5 10 agents so firstly we empower sort of we power your phone lines so you get a you get a central number which is showing up in your tv ad you get incoming calls so now agents can start taking those calls and if there are people in the queue they get sort of queued queued in the, so obviously in the queue and every single call every single conversation that's happening is automatically getting recorded and logged into your crm uh so it's automating every single manual work so your agents can quickly take other calls as well uh so it's sort of so we we provide not just the basic phone system that's required to run your business but we also provide the automation around it uh so that your agents can obviously make more calls uh or receive more calls along with that we provide you a lot of automation options around with both calls and sms uh, so that again you can create more workflows example a real estate agent just showed you a great property and he's he thinks that you're a, you're a hot lead so what's going to happen is he's going to put down the call and mark that call as a great call great lead and it'll trigger a new workflow it'll start sending you sms like hey it was great meeting you here is a pdf of the property let me know if you want to talk more about it you know so so it's helping the businesses create these flawless processes around the communication with customers uh so it's it's making it easier for businesses to become uh, more op- operationally efficient I, i'm just thinking are there specific verticals where you're particularly strong 100% uh so we are focused on the b2c companies uh so b2c what i mean by that is like 
education is a pretty big uh, use case for us. Education, healthcare, financial services, uh, like mortgages, insurance, loans, uh, all those things. Uh, real estate is a is a big use case, and then business services, which which is like probably one of my favorite. Uh, for example, a plumbing company, or a garbage truck uh, company, or a roofing company. Uh, so these these are like great uh, industries uh, where we have found a lot of success uh, in general. So I mean, based on your uh, the last examples, I'm thinking the the US probably is your biggest market. Yeah, so so seventy percent comes from US uh, in terms of customers. We have about six thousand plus customers. Seventy uh, percent comes from US, about fifteen percent from Europe, and about uh, five to ten percent from Australia, and then five uh, percent from rest of the world. Mm. And and is your sort of operating model similar to other software companies? You do much of your development out of centers in Bangalore or uh, where where are you based now? So not not Bangalore, but but Noida. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so we, because we bootstrapped the company and I was putting up in Noida that time. Uh, so we started the whole, we start, we built the whole team here in Noida. Uh, and pre COVID, everyone was working from office, from Noida office itself. Uh, but now post COVID, we have like sort of hired people remote. I mean, it's now a hundred percent remote company, 300 people in the company, all remote, uh, 40 cities, six countries. Uh, so things have changed a bit. Uh, but but I'm 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 still pretty much here. Yeah. Now I was thinking, still thinking in terms of Bangalore because I think originally when you're building Pinpuff, you were in Bangalore. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. you came back from the US, went back yeah. to. Yeah, because uh, because I when I came back, I really wanted to stay with my parents. Um, so my parents are here. So yeah. Yeah. What did your father do in the Air Force? I meant to ask earlier. Anyway. Sure. Uh, so, so my complete my father's whole family actually is from from Air Force background. Uh, my uncle was uh, was flying uh, mix. Um, my my father was mostly into admin and sort of education area where all the NDA folks that get through the NDA exams, right? So the whole training and selection and everything. So he was kind of a part of that. Uh, so, so he was not flying the jet, but, but he was doing some other stuff. And, and so does that make you a first time software entrepreneur? Why did you not continue in the family tradition of becoming an Air Force officer? Yeah, I'm, I'm the first person doing any kind of business in, in okay. my family. Ah. No, I was, I was actually motivated by joining the forces. Um, but, but I think that whole Sabir Bhatia. Uh, right story yeah. strong impression Sabir Bhatia and I think for that matter Yahoo also ah. uh, Yahoo was pretty big obviously that time there was, there was no Google it was all Yahoo 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 everywhere so I think those two stories uh, made me think a, li- a bit larger and you know when I started building these products and I and these uh, folks globally started using it I started talking to them I think that exposure uh, changed a lot for me um, I think that opened up my sort of vision that I started thinking about that, hey, I should be traveling a lot. I should be doing more things. I should be talking to more people. Um, and when you think about the forces thing, so that sort of uh, was not that exciting enough for me. Okay, right. Um, so tell me a bit about going from bootstrapping to VC funding. Walk me through that a bit. So so we bootstrapped the business for first four and a half uh, years to about six, six, seven million dollars ARR. Uh, mm-hmm. We were very profitable, about 50% profitability. Uh, and then we raised our Series A, and uh, of about fourteen million. And then after five six months, we raised uh, the Sequoia. We raised forty two million from Sequoia. Uh, so that was a Series B. 
So, and, and both the rounds happened not for money, but for sort of other reasons. Uh, the Series A happened because we were getting acquisition offers. Uh-huh. And uh, when I was starting SaaS Labs, I was pretty sure that I'm not going to sell this company. I'm going to run it for the next 30, 40 years. I'm going to retire from this company. I'm going to take this public. <laughs> so whatever happens, I'm not going to sell it. Uh, uh-huh. So we started getting these acquisition offers, really good ones. Um, I was pretty sure that I am not going to sell it, but it's you also have to explain your family that someone is giving you whatever 70, 80 million and you're saying no to it, being a 100% owner of it. Uh, so what's the best way to marry to your business? You raise capital. The other two reasons for me to raise capital was one was like, uh, I was pretty self-aware that uh, I've not seen that journey from 15 million to 100 or $200 million ARR and it's not the same. Uh, so I'll be needing help and being a single founder, I, I need probably more help. Uh, so I think, and, and third was hiring uh, seniors, you know, senior folks. Uh, it's kind of a tough game if you're hiring for a bootstrap company. Uh, so, so that was another trigger for me that, hey, I, I think I, it's time we should raise capital so that we can start attracting some of the senior folks who can come and create the executive layer for me. So that was a trigger for me for our Series A. And then our Series B happened because we were looking to acquire a couple of companies in Europe. Uh, and um, yeah, so so the, the reason was that we should... We should uh, we should sort of improve our balance sheet, uh, in, 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 obviously get some sort of valuation bump so that uh, the deal becomes slightly cheaper for us. But I'm thinking you still uh, retain controlling interest in your company. Yeah. Because I'm interested in you know this whole tension between how a founder looks at his or her company and the way you know they want to build it versus yeah. the the imperatives that come in the moment you take VC money because for them, they would like you to grow exponentially so that, you know, they can deliver a strong return to their investors. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying one is correct and the other is wrong. I'm simply saying there's a, there's that tension that every entrepreneur has to grapple with. So, yeah, yeah and, and, and you seem to kind of tackle it very wisely, putting yourself in a strong position with profitability. So you had, I guess, some bargaining power in terms of no, 100%. Um, no, that helped in retaining majority uh, shareholding with, with myself. Uh, I think another, another important thing is, I, and I tell this to other entrepreneurs as well, that don't raise money on, unless you are like 100% sure that you have an engine where you put in some money and you make sort of more money, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, the life is going to be very tough. Mm. Uh, so, so I was pretty sure by, by six, seven million, I was pretty sure that, it, okay, this is a legit thing that we're building. It has a huge market and everything. So, so the risk of getting into that situation, what you're mentioning, uh, is slightly lower. It's never zero, but it's slightly lower. Uh, so, so yeah, so I, I, very valid point. Today, did you say you are at 15 million ARR and you're still maintaining 50% margins? We are actually way bigger than that and uh, something around 25. Uh-huh. Yeah. In last three quarters, we have started investing and uh, spending a bit of money uh, because this this kind, this was kind of a push coming in from the board as well that, hey, I mean, we have been like very profitable and everything. But uh, I think when you're switching from your bootstrap thinking to a funded uh, thing, right? You have to, and you come from a middle class family, you have to build that muscle of how to learn how to spend. Um, 
I think till $5 million ARR, I think it's fine. You become, you are like hiring people when they're kind of a, a bit of a stretch. But I think when you are slightly bigger than that, I think you have to invest ahead of the curve. Uh, so that, that was something I have to build a muscle and understand and learn. Uh, so now that, now we, now I'm in that zone now. So I'm understanding how can we sort of spend a bit more uh, so that they can help us uh, grow faster. Uh, so it's slightly bigger than that, what you mentioned. Uh, and we are burning a very small amount of money uh, right now. Uh, but but that still gives like, we haven't touched our Series B money yet. Uh, so that puts us in a, in, a, in a good, comfortable position. Tell us more about uh, you know, some of these things that you have identified. You said now going from 20, 25 million dollars of revenue, you, I'm thinking you want to get to 100 is probably your next logical target. Uh, what are some of the things that you're doing now on the product development front yeah. and on what you guys call the go-to-market front? Yeah, uh, a lot of exciting stuff happening. Um, I think on the product, so I'm, I'm by default a product person. So uh, I may sound more excited about when I'm talking about the product. Uh, I think what's really what 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 really happened in the last six months or so uh this whole ai become a mainstream yeah. everyone knows about ai now uh we have been working on it for the last three years but thankfully this chat gpt thing happened and everyone knows like how how ai can help me and it's not a techie only thing it's it's it touches every single person absolutely uh so we are sort of ready to launch our ai offering uh-huh. uh we are doing a big batch sort of launch uh, in next month uh where we'll be helping uh, so now that people have been doing a lot of calls with us, so we have powered hundreds of millions of calls, 200, 300 million SMS. Uh, now we have that capability to also help the agents get coached and trained uh, using AI. Mm. Uh, calls will get transcribed. Every single call will have a score. Uh, every SMS will have a, a sort of a score or, a, or a, uh, you know, so, uh, summarization, other ideas. Uh, Every SMS, every call will have sentiment analysis. Uh, and the workflows I was talking about, they'll be like way more powerful because now thanks to the AI, we'll have more context around the calls. So you don't even have to press a button to trigger a workflow. Mm. The AI will understand that this real estate agent had a great call with you and you sound like an interested buyer. So it can automatically trigger a lot of workflows. So we're very excited about uh, bringing to the world our AI thing that we've been building it for the last three years. Uh, so I think from the from the product side, I think that's that's one. Um, on the GTM side, a um, couple of things. Like one, we we built our our executive team. Uh, so earlier we were focusing only on very smaller smaller companies because we were a totally PLG driven company, like a product led growth company. Uh, we didn't have any sales team. We didn't have any marketing team. But thankfully, now we have a, a proper sales team and a marketing team. So we have like more muscle uh, to reach out to more people. Uh, the net has become a slightly bigger for us uh, from the size of the companies. Uh, so so that's something where we are investing a lot. And that's where when I mentioned that we have started burning a bit. So we are now investing a lot in uh, our processes. Like how can we create these processes where marketing is spending X dollars generating so many leads and then how we are handling those leads uh, in, a, in a right way and sort of giving it to the right sort of salespeople. So that whole process 
And mind you, it's not easy. I had, I had no idea. And thankfully, we raised money and probably for the same reason that I didn't know like how to grow from 15 to 100 million dollars. Uh, so, so there's a lot of learning for me as well uh, while, we, while we do so. Uh, we started hiring uh, folks outside for uh, marketing, for product marketing, for sales. Uh, so that the, because our market is US, so that whole perception building, using the right copy, right content, right words. Uh, it's really important for us as we grow from 15 to 100. Uh, so a lot of investment is going there. Uh, we are uh, getting help from our European companies that we acquired uh, recently to sort of go more, sort of focus more on the European market as well. Uh, so we'll be selling our products through our offices in Poland and, and, and France as well. Uh, so yeah, so there's a long list of uh, things that we're doing for our march toward uh, 100 million. Mm. Tell me a bit more about these two acquisitions. Uh, what specializations did they bring you? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so we we uh, acquired two companies. One called Page. It it's a Poland based uh, company that helps businesses generate more leads from their visitors. Uh, so what it does is like whenever you're on a website, it's gonna give you a, a a pop up like, hey, do you want to call back? You put a phone number. Uh, and the agents on our side, uh, whosoever is available agent right now will get connected and you'll get a call back within 28 seconds. So that helps people generate more leads from their visitors itself. Uh, so again, it's a, it's a very obvious use case for all the industries I mentioned. Uh, so that was one of the reasons why we acquired them, but also the team is great. Uh, the founder and the whole team is amazing team. We are learning a lot from them. Uh, and thirdly, they have built certain technologies which will help the org improve its, its cross margins big time. So that was also uh, one of the reasons for us to acquire them. Uh, the, the, the French company that we acquired called Atolia, it is uh, it, it is a intra-team communication tool, something like Slack, you can say. Mm -hmm. uh, so overnight, overnight, we can plug that product into our offerings. Uh, and overnight our product becomes way, way better, more valuable than our competitors. So that was the main reason for us to acquire that company. Again, amazing talent, uh, that we were able to, I'm, I'm more excited about the talent that came on board. Uh, both the founders of both the companies are still with us. So it's amazing. It's always great to have fellow entrepreneurs working alongside, uh, bring a lot of ideas. Uh, so, so, I, so, so that's been probably the biggest achievement or biggest ROI for me in a way, like all the, the, the whole team is still with us um, and, and sharing their learnings. Overall today, how many people uh, at SaaS Labs? We are about uh, 310 people right now. Uh, we have a lot of folks joining in June because we did a lot of campus hiring. So we'll be probably 330 by June, uh, about 250 in India, about 40 people in 45 people in Europe and about 15 people in, uh, in the US. These acquisitions uh, happened uh, second half last year, early this year. Um, early, no, no, they happened uh, early last year. Over the next 12, 18 months, what might be your top priorities? I think as you grow as a company, your asset or your uh, unfair advantage is your people. Uh, so my core focus is usually like, how can I keep my folks motivated, work as a team, I think that's one focus area for me. I'm still learning as a CEO. Like this is the biggest team I'm I'm sort of le leading right now. So it's it's a great learning for me as well. 
So I think one is that, like, that's a top priority for me. Like, how can I ensure that all my folks working are connected, uh, aligned in the same direction, motivated, and they see the bigger picture? I think that's the biggest uh, sort of uh, thing for me. Second is obviously our March word, this whole AI adoption of our sort of products uh, and how we can create a, a name for ourselves in the AI uh, space as far as as soon as possible. Um, third is we are again in the market looking for uh, a couple of uh, acquisitions. Uh, there are certain areas that we see are either a good uh, I mean, there, there are a couple of opportunities which are opening up because of this whole AI and becoming mainstream. So we are in the market uh, talking to some smaller companies uh, for a potential uh, acquisition. Uh, so I think that's uh, that's the third one for me. Anything that you would want to highlight? I mean, in the small context of this conversation. The importance of agents, you know, like agents, I, I just want to make one point. Like, What do you mean by agents? Agents are like the support agents, huh. sales agents. Uh, and all the smaller businesses, all these three entities are super underloved mm. and underserved. What makes me excited every day and motivated every day, and I'm still able to work uh, good hours, is that they're underloved, they're underserved. And I was also in some, some position back back some few, few years. So that gives me the most motivation of every, every day to work and build something for them. And... Uh, and I, I I derive a lot of joy from reading from my support agents or or agents who are using our products that hey this is helping helping me um, with less uh, it is helping me with reducing my anxiety it's helping me with uh, my workload going a bit down uh, so I think that's the biggest motivation for me for running this company so 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 I'm happy that I have a a pure core motivation to to run this company so I'm very excited. Uh, that this will pull me through and uh, keep me motivated, you know, going forward. So, so I just want to talk about uh, something which is very close to my sort of heart. Very nice. Well, upwards of 6,000 companies. What sort of a typical average of number of agents? And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking how many agents today are touched by your technology? Okay, I can uh, I can give you a rough number. Uh, about uh, 30 to 40,000. And, and I'm thinking the way you said that they're very underloved and underserved and generally SaaS companies tend to graduate towards large enterprise customers. So yeah, potential yeah. for you to grow is very, very large. No, it is like 25 million agents in the world right now. Uh, 70 million, 70% of them are in the smaller companies. All right. um, and, and you touched a very important point that mostly SaaS companies move to enterprise. Uh, see, I have told both my team and the board that this line, that this thing I mentioned, will be the first line on our IPO prospectus. Uh. That's our DNA. So we cannot tweak our DNA at all. So we are working for them and, and that will always be the truth. I, I know it's it's a tougher game when you are not going enterprise and you're just uh, trying to 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 work with SMEs and Midmark, but, that, but that's the DNA of the business. That's why the business exists. Give us a sense of how you're growing this year. So, so through 2023, uh, are you looking at growing 2x, 3x in terms of your revenue versus 2022? No, I think at our scale, I mean, obviously, we have been growing at a 80% sort of a CAGR in a way uh-huh. for the last three years. Uh-huh. So I think we will be continuing that growth. Okay. I won't mind growing faster mm. if, if if something interesting happens. For example, this whole AI play that we're doing, we're doing some other interesting partnerships with other CRMs. 
uh, a lot of noise will be created coming coming days. But uh, I think there are certain opportunities that we have that can sort of help us speed up uh, that growth. Mm. Or if a great M and A happens and that sort of uh, takes our product a step ahead and sort of uh, gives us some sort of unfair advantage again yeah. uh, to move faster. So I'm I'm all open to ideas. If someone listening and have some ideas that they can help us grow faster, please join the team. We are we are still hiring. And uh, if things go well um, and sort of roughly according to your plan, I'm thinking your your IPO could be as early as three years. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> very nice Garo excellent update first update from you on your work um, very nice thank you so much for making time for me Garo definitely hope to keep the conversation going absolutely thanks a lot Hari thanks for the opportunity that's it for this conversation I hope you found it interesting you can find all our podcasts at forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast app I'm Hari Arakli thank you for listening thank you